Hello and welcome to Inspiration Boulevard, the podcast where we discuss the brilliance and creativity that exists within the field of mental health. I'm your host, Alan Hyde, and I am joined today by a good friend and uh, former classmate, Marlis Wood, Woods, sorry, and she is an associate marriage and family therapist and a board certified music therapist. So no one better to bring on to talk about creativity. Marlis, how are you doing? I'm great. Just enjoying my, what is it, Tuesday evening and happy to be on. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, you know, when I went down the list of like, who am I thinking about bringing on here? You know, who are the people I want to hear from? Who are the people doing really cool things out there? You know, it was when I was writing down the names or like thinking about it, conceptualizing yours was definitely right up there. It's like the the music stuff that she's doing and, and just the ways that you're connecting and doing the social media stuff. And and I saw like you were even posting right before we did this, like you're you're just in it, <laughs> which is cool. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know you've just over the years of us going to school together, you always shared with us like your passion for music and why you bring that into therapy. But, you know, I'm curious if you could share a little bit with us um, today, just kind of like what inspired you to do that? What kind of brought those aspects into light for you and, and kind of where you see that going for yourself? Yeah. So um, I completely fell into music therapy. It was, uh, I like to say, very God, uh, like a God shot, God driven. But I was a music major in college and wanted to be a famous singer. And um, I kind of, and because music was always my way of expression. Um, as we went through grad school, I really learned it was my only way of identifying that I was feeling. Um, and so, <laughs> Um, so I went to grad school or regular college and was like, oh, this is hard. There's a lot of people. I should maybe have a backup plan. And my friend, I had always wanted to do psychology if I didn't do music. And my friend was like, I'm a music therapy major. And I was like, what? That exists? Like, I've known you for a year. Had no idea. Um, so as soon as I got into it, I just fell in love with just the ability of using music to help people. And as I went through my training, we go through music therapy classes, like the theory of them, which are similar to the therapy theories that we already know in uh, psychology. And then uh, we take music classes, psychology classes, and then have to do a thousand hour, thousand plus hour internship. And at my internship, I fell in love with working with uh, an addiction and the population and um, how we all connect to music so well and just tying that together. And then I realized, I don't know how to work with these people. They are, um, they talk back and they're mean and I don't know what's going on. And that's how I ended up in grad school so that I could better merge what I knew as a music therapist and how it could be really effective for addicts and for people struggling with mental health uh, because what I learned originally wasn't effective enough. So that was really, really the reason I went to grad school. And so I've created these programs that Matt, like merge the two of like, how we help people learn to express themselves through therapy and how we can do that with music and teach them to be able to talk and open up and share with therapists where it's a great compliment to talk therapy. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all these, all these years and in, in going through school, we were, we were there for three years together, right? It was three years total. Yeah. I, I never knew that that was part of uh, the journey that brought you into uh, Vanguard and it's our yeah. grad psych program was that you had already, completed a lot of hours within the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had been working in the field for a year 
before um, I had gotten accepted into Vanguard, but they, it was for a year later. And so I was working in the field for about a year and in addiction for about a year before, uh, before joining, starting at Vanguard. Nice. Nice. And so when you were doing just kind of like your, your hours through the, the graduate program, uh, were you already kind of building some of the things that you're doing now and, and incorporating mm -hmm. the music in your, your clinical hours there too? Yeah, it was, um, I think, I think like that first year of overlap was when I started realizing like the different ways that I could add this into the music therapy sessions I was creating. Uh, and I started at a facility that was very 12 step based and they were thankfully were like, you need to know more about the 12 steps and you need to go to Al-Anon. And so I really got immersed in the 12 step programming. Um, they were like, you're working with everyone that's an addict. You need to know why. <laughs> and so, um, so once I did, uh, like learn more about the 12 steps, I realized that it was so similar to what we were being taught at vanguard of like basically the first three steps is kind of this idea of like going to someone admitting you need help and kind of putting your life in their hands right the therapist and then um these next four steps four through nine or five steps you're really looking at like what is it that i do why do i do that and how can i change it i was like yeah that's what we're helping people do also and then just this last step of our last three steps of knowing like why do I do what I do? How can I change? And when do I ask for help or do something different? And how can I share it with others? And I just thought it m merged together so well what we were learning that um, it just kind of took off my programming that I made for our music therapy sessions. Nice. Do you still attend Al-Anon meetings or is that a just kind of from time to time thing or how do you go about that? So I did until January. Once I moved uh, to Colorado, I still talk with my sponsor and some of the girls from Al-Anon, but I haven't taken the time to go to meetings out here. Um, I still like read their, like some of their daily readers when I'm struggling through things. Um, but no, I went through the whole program. I have two steps left, but um, I did the whole thing. I, I didn't want to at first. My supervisor was like, you have to. And I was like, no, I'll just go. I'm already in therapy. I'm a therapist. I don't need this. Um, and then I met a sponsor who, uh, or my sponsor, who was just like, oh, shoot, this lady. This lady's so much like me. And I went up and <laughs> my sponsor ever since. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good supervisor to point you in that direction. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was an awesome first supervisor that I had. I've actually been attending Al-Anon uh, weekly. For about a year, my my one year is in uh, September. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. I think my oh wow, my fourth or fifth year is in April wow. or next April. I guess it would be my fifth year. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I just I got I don't know why I haven't gone since I've been out here. I think because I still talk to my sponsors. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll probably but I will probably start once COVID ends again. Yeah, you know, I, I think you, you hit such a solid point is like, hey, when you're working in this field of 12 step recovery, or just substance use in general, it's so important to have that aspect and understanding of, you know, not just like the concepts of like, 
what the codependent goes through and, and what the family or friends of alcoholics experience, but also the, the treating professional to be able to do that. And then also then like, and this is something I, I, I'm inspired by when I see your stuff, is to take those concepts one step further and then give an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Another way to heal through music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's what I've, um, so I also have a training for music therapists because like I said, when originally I felt like I was, we weren't effective enough as we, or as effective as we could be. And that's really the thing that I really um, impart upon the therapists that I hire or train is that you have to know exactly why and how this music experience is going to help enhance whatever it is that they're working through or give them a solution or at least an, a, a, an identifiable thing to take to a therapist so that they can get further help um, is a very a big passion of mine because we can be looked at a lot as the music therapist is just this like Ah, we don't really need it. Like, it's just for fun to say we have something different or it's the music lady. She's here to entertain. But there's so much more we can do simply because of the connection that people have to music. It is the only stimulus for the brain that um, in, or it engages the most parts of our brain simultaneously. It's the only stimulus that does that. Um, really? Yeah. So well, it's, learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And so uh, to be able to have a tool that engages so much of your brain and just one thing, uh, and then to be connecting that with the tools that you learn through recovery, it's, it really helps to almost like sync the information sooner and faster. Um, because you have that emotional connection to it, both your right and left side of your brain is engaged in it. Um, and then you actually like care about it because people like music. So yeah. it's kind of like a triple winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I think of, of clients I've worked with where they're like virtually stuck, you know, like emotionally. And it's just mm -hmm. like you were saying, like giving those alternative options to just connect emotionally to gain mm -hmm. some movement in the direction. I think right. music, like, like you were highlighting music is such a powerful way to do that. Mm -hmm. What's and what's in I'm I'm sorry. What what's the name of your training program that you offer? It is called uh the Get in Tune Stwelp oh Stwelp, Twelve Step Certification. Oh wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Get in Tune Twelve Step Certification. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's it's something that we offer to music therapists, but also we will eventually be offering it to therapists as well that want to use music in their programming because there's a lot um, there can be harm that comes from using music because it sure. so quickly hits the emotions that if, if um, you don't know that the music could trigger this or you aren't prepared, most of the time therapists are prepared when someone emotionally has a breakdown or is triggered, but uh, to give therapists that extra tool of how can I manipulate the music to what I want it to do for this client um or what i think it could do for this client and so we will be offering that to both so that um just to try and get rid of those actual chances that you could cause harm or trigger people back so yeah well i think you know i think it's powerful just to know that those are options for trainings you know because what i've what i found by doing this podcast is you know kind of the bulk of the listeners tend to be clinicians and those are 
kind of the people that are reaching out and, and responding to this. And I think it's just powerful to know that there's someone out there who's developing courses on this and, and that this is an option because I know a lot of therapists who will bring music into sessions and they'll kind of just play it on their computer or like their phone. And, you know, you got the, you've got the seasoned clinicians who are doing like approved music lists. And then you got the ones that are like, Oh, I don't know if you should have played that song, you know? And, <laughs> and, and that's just like developed songs. Like, you know, then you've got like, um, I've always been fascinated by like the concepts of rock to recovery where you're actually bringing in the instruments and how powerful that can be. So just having further yeah. trainings on the impact of these things, I think is beautiful. Yeah. And it's awesome how much people are already using it so that, so just if they can have a little bit more guidance as to to what ways this can be most effective is is my only goal because we you know we we've worked side by side at facilities that have rock to recovery and have us um, and so it, it's awesome it's you know and I know plenty of music therapy or therapists that use music uh, you know and it's it's a great tool just like we use books or poems or you know we've learned lots of different ways to pull from the world to help connect with our clients. And so this is just one other way. Yeah. Well, we need to set a precedent that if, uh, if you're looking to get deeper into to learning the aspects of how to use this in therapy that you're going to get in tune. Yes. <laughs> Marvelous. So you can figure out how to use these to, to get the outcomes you're looking for. Exactly. Do you find, you know, like when you are working in the treatment centers um, or just working with people in general that, that, kind of some of those interventions were heavily informing the goals and the directions that you were taking towards like movement and, and life goals and different therapeutic goals? I mean, I would imagine that's the case. That's probably a dumb question, but you find that it's like heavily informing kind of your treatment goals? Yeah, actually, can you ask the question one more time? <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, you know, we, how we set therapeutic goals for like someone who's coming in, they got 30, 60, 90 days, we're trying to get them moving right. towards kind of like, what's next do you find that like the implementation of the music is heavily informing like how you're going about like the interventions to move them towards that are you using that verbiage to like form your goals in there yes so we and stop me if i'm answering this wrong but we so we we pick i don't know if i asked it right so i don't know <laughs> if they're wrong <laughs> we all of our sessions are structured around specific goals that people are going to work on through treatment um, most of the time it's specifically through the 12 steps. Um, but then it has like kind of these, uh, smaller goals that might just be, uh, you know, getting the client to just simply admit that they're powerless to be able to even put words to the fact that I have an emotion right now. So that I didn't even know I was feeling right. Or, um, just simply to feel right. How many of our clients are we just trying to get them to just feel, yeah. um, and so, but a lot of the goals that we work on, I would say really align with the, the treatment goals of the facilities. And we do group sessions, so we don't, we can go in and look at their like specific goals and the treatment plans. Um, but we've also, for time's sake, kind of had to create something that hits on little goals that will, the client can then take to their therapist and used to work on but our big main goals is teaching people how to identify my emotions and then how to express them to someone and so we do that through songwriting we do that through drumming or playing different instruments uh, we pair it with music and relaxation we pair it with music and art 
um, so that it touches all the different ways that you can express yourself, whether it's words, whether it's art, whether it's meditation or physical movement. Um, and then I can now with the song that I wrote, I can go tell my therapist, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Or I can go tell my wife or husband, or I can reflect on it and be like, okay, if this is what I'm going through, what are the coping skills I've learned that help me to get to where I want to be? Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of what we focus on. And then we, we tie in a, one of the 12 steps to each session so that also a big goal that we have with that is just like normalizing the steps, right? Because when they're in the treatment center, especially if it's a 12 step based one, it's very much like, this is something you have to do and fill out this paperwork and do it. <laughs> right. Um, which it's, we know that it's really helpful, but also that can feel pretty forced. Yeah. I mean, it's a big ask, you know, because you, you I think you come into treatment and, and part of what doesn't, I think like, in the lay population is hard to understand is like people don't necessarily want to change now they're ready to get help but the the ask of like actually now i'm faced with the pain yeah that's a big ask and then you add in right there's this program out there that you know i think um our, our rage would say uh with those rage glasses on look like uh like a cult you know <laughs> yeah. like, hey go check it out and and it really it is a program that works but like it's funny because a client today when i was checking in like hey what are you doing for your recovery just kind of like an open-ended question he said if you're asking if i'm going to meetings my answer is fuck you and like that is the response that you get with going to meetings and so i think just normalizing that through a medium like music that's so approachable uh, right it only be beneficial yeah it's oh god it's so funny some of the conversations that you know clients <laughs> that you have with clients regarding the 12 steps and and so it just like if i just come in and say like hey just a simple question of like we're going to talk about step one today and like for check-in can you guys share a time you were powerless like you have so many that are like i was never powerless i got this i'm i can handle it but then i play a song that describes powerlessness and just ask them to share like you know what was a line that stood out to you they often pick a line that's very clearly powerless over an addiction and when you ask them why they choose that line oh because i can relate to that right yeah. and so it's like it's almost this like back door of like oh that's normal i know music i it's okay to say that i relate to music as opposed to just like this flat out question right um, so or even just especially with the higher power stuff that is involved we get a lot of flack from that and um and just being able to to use music to talk about those things um is it's a really cool medium to get people to just like open up and take those those um walls down yeah you know I, I i could only imagine too and, and maybe you could shed some light on this as well like i would imagine that utilizing music as an avenue to some form of something bigger than yourself is probably something that people connect with i mean just like yeah. as a 12 step or myself like that that sounds like within the realm of something that i would consider in my mind like when i think of my higher power Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. We do a drumming session the first time that I bring up uh, the higher power in our sessions. And I specifically chose um, drumming and making what we call it active music making as a group, because um, making music, right, it turns into this thing that is bigger than just you. And that is 
that is, um, especially if you're in a group, as I'm playing what I'm playing, the collective whole and what you hear changes and takes on its own form without any control of my own, especially when I'm playing with a group. And so it's a very tangible way to grasp the idea of a higher power, whether it is the universe, an, a traditional God type thing, whether it's nature, like all of those, whether it's music, all of these different things are outside of my control, but affects me in some way. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a great tool to help show that, um, that idea. Now, you, so you mentioned bringing the drums for that, and I know you play the guitar. Do you bring your guitar in and, and join in in those things, or do you let others play the guitar? Like, how does what kind of instruments are you bring into the making making music session? Yeah, so um, the easiest for our actual making music sessions for groups, the easiest thing to bring in is a bunch of hand percussion drums. Now, granted, it's not easy. I'm still like the bag lady with a ton of uh, instruments. But so uh, for the actual active music making sessions, it's all like drums, shakers, uh, cowbell type things. Yes, more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in other sessions, um, at the part of the cool part about having a music therapist is that we are trained trained musicians, right? So there is something different that happens when, a, uh, when you hear a song live versus when it is a recording. So we play dependent on if we are talent and skilled enough to, <laughs> to represent the whole musical aspect of the song. So then I might bring in my guitar if with my guitar skills and my voice, I can give the same emotional feeling. But then sometimes I might bring in just a recording of a song because what I want them to get, I can't recreate live. Um, and so it, so we bring in guitar, like I bring in a guitar. I even let set clients like sometimes help me make sessions and if they can play, then they perform it for the group. Um, or we bring in for meditation, something called a happy drum, which is just this like beautiful melodic uh, steel drum that we bring in to help as for the meditation tool. And then we have the percussion instruments, as I said before. So piano is something we could bring in, but that's just so much more hard. It's much harder to transport. Um, the other instruments is, are the same. So those are kind of the instruments that we bring in. Nice. Yeah. I feel like a piano is like once you, once you have your own facility kind of thing. And yeah. yeah, exactly. When now people are, are those, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, just when people are coming to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are those your ultimate, like, is that one of the goals with it is to have your own facility where people are kind of coming in and you have your own caseload through that and mm -hmm. uh, a facility? Actually, no. Uh, at, at one point it was, um, I thought it would be even really cool to just have a treatment center. Um, but I'm moving much more away to, of wanting to be able to, like just train and teach and let people go out and do and more uh, wanting my time back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's savvy. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe one day I'll go back to that if I get more tethered and more rooted and <laughs> plan to stay somewhere for a long time. Um, but it's just so much to take on. And then on top of it, something that's always been pretty hesitant for me is like, do I want to take on like having to make sure people are sober when they come to our facility to make sure that they are 
do I want to handle drug testing? Do I want to, you know, if it's just a group therapy session that they're coming to, um, cause we've had for years, people say, Hey, after treatment, can I, can I come still see you? Um, and I just, I hadn't known how to quite navigate that. So this virtual world that we're in now, we are able to offer that, which is pretty cool. Because music therapy, five months ago, I would have told you it wouldn't work, but can still work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that that concept, right, we, we all, I think in our own ways as clinicians have kind of been, I was talking about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, we were really, we really had to step into a lot of things we were asked right by just society as a whole to step into this virtual world and and still bring the benefit and it's just beautiful to see like how different clinicians who are offering different services have really met that call yeah and worked out the kinks yeah yeah and it there were kinks i'm i mean i know there were for us so i'm sure for other (laughs) people as well but it is it's amazing what technology can do it's 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 not the same, but it is, it is good enough as we learned a long time ago. And, in, in uh, what was her name? Um, in the child development class, you just have to be a good enough parent. <laughs> Jeannie. Yeah. Jeannie. There you yeah. go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cindy and I were, were just talking about that the other day. We we're talking uh, about Jeannie in, in that class. And, you know, cause when you're working in addiction, you're also working, you're doing a lot of inner child work, you know, mm. and, and, uh, you know, then it takes the turns from child development into attachment and into primal wounds. You know, there's just so much there that I imagine music opens a doorway to, you know, yeah. I, I think like anything that's getting motion, like especially the way music does that moves people. Like that's a way that people just, at least like in my life, I've heard people describe music. It's like I, had, I like felt moved by this. And like anytime that's an emotional experience, like now we're rocking, you know, now we're talking <laughs> This is healing. You know? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it'll be cool as those we get to start having people through facilities, just individual or start doing group if that's what we end up doing to, to get to, especially for the individuals to get to take it deeper with music because you can only go so deep in a group therapy session, um, depending on the size of the group you're running. Um, and so it'll be that'll be a really cool experience to switch through to. Yeah. Do you ever uh, record any of the music that you're making in, in some of these sessions or you kind of just come in, you do the, the program and then you uh, reset and do it again? Yeah. For the most part, we just come in, reset, do it again. Um, we've, it, depending on what, like how long I have a certain group for and if we're messing around, like, and we're making something, then I'll record it. But just because of the nature of being a contractor from facility to facility, there isn't really a way to get them a product in time to be able to take it with them. That was really a bummer that I had, because that is actually a big part of music therapy uh, in other populations is like creating something for them to take. And even in creating like the sessions that we do, uh, like of wanting to like give them other options of like to take it home with them or something, uh, it gets all around along with the copywriting and music. And so it's, um, unless they're, unless I'm writing all my own songs or they're writing their own song, <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit hard to, to distribute, unfortunately, because I would have clients that would like write this whole song and ask me to put music to it. And then I'd come the next week and they weren't there and I didn't have any way to get in touch with them because they 
pieced out. So, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. The pains of treatment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The revolving door. Now you, so you're contracting with treatment centers and going in running those groups and mm -hmm. have you, so you were doing that primarily in California and I know you were kind of mentioning before the podcast, you had relocated. Have you yes. found a foothold there with, with this service in Colorado? So, um, one second. It's very hot in here. I'm asking my boyfriend to turn on the air. <laughs> uh, sorry, I know you're recording. So no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Bring him in. We'll say hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, your, oh, no, your question. Do you remember your question? Shoot. I just yes. lost it. Yeah, I was just, I was curious if you've, um, you know, got a oh, foothold here in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yes. So, yes and no. Um, so, we had, <laughs> I had about two facilities we were about to start at as soon as COVID hit. And then they were like, well, we're going to wait. Um, so, I have a couple of facilities that I'm kind of just waiting for. I'm actually next week touring one because we're, our restrictions aren't as high as your guys's right now. Um, yeah. And so that's one that, that they had an interest in it. So we'll see. But I am I feel like I'm getting pretty involved in the, the networking and the community here. Um, so they at least know that I exist. And then one cool way that we have uh, gotten business here is we've done a couple of apartment life um, music for connection sessions. So we're doing the same type of interventions, but we're just calling we're not calling it therapy. And um, a couple of apartments have had us come and do a, or do a virtual session with their residents when they didn't have amenities going. Really? Uh, yeah. So that's been cool. I have two next month that I'll be doing. And um, yeah, and we've tried to do a few like corporate events as well, which we've, we've gotten one or two, but it's, it's kind of slow taking off. So we're, yeah. it has been, uh, definitely been hard to get my foot in the door at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it really is a trip. You know, like when COVID hit, I reached out to a bunch of, um, you know, just local businesses, you know, like kind of uh, privately owned businesses like, hey, I'm offering my services for free. If, uh, you know, I was kind of doing uh, like coping skills around like tailored to COVID. And I was just yeah. offering my services for free. Like literally, you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll come. I know the community needs support right now. And it was crickets for a while, for a while. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think the stigma is breaking down, but there's definitely a delay, you know, when it comes to like businesses wanting to bring those services in. So yeah. you know, it'll be interesting over the next decade as some of those things kind of shift and people are seeking more support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, no, companies sorry. just say like, Oh no, we've got it covered. Uh, everyone is fine. I'm like, but are yeah. they fine? <laughs> yeah. Have you asked? Have you sent yeah, any <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's been, yeah, it's interesting just the the lack of wanting to accept that, especially if you're offering free services. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's cool to hear that apartments are, you know, like offering that to their tenants. You know, I wouldn't, that would have never even dawned on me. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. I um, think I, I think I can thank my dad for planting that idea. I can't quite remember, but uh yeah our like our apartment specifically has like an apartment life couple that like puts on two events a month and so we i had asked them before COVID hit and they're like yeah we'll do a drum circle that'll be so cool and then afterwards they're like can you do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah 
they, yeah, yeah then they were going like, stir crazy too <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah and so then after that i was like well maybe i should try other apartments and see see if they reach out and I've gotten a few so it's been nice. pretty cool is that is that pretty uh standard out there with like because i know we have some of those like complexes out here that are kind of like it's hip and happening they got all the amenities and stuff is that kind of uh is that the deal with where you're at it's kind of like got that amenity life going on uh my specific facility or resident well, the place i currently live <laughs> wrong things um they do and there are definitely a niche here of like nicer apartments that have it um the smaller apartments don't as much just kind of depends if it where you're at um but we're it seems like because we're a little bit outside we're maybe like 15 minutes 20 minutes from downtown and still the apartments here have this but i think we're the only one that have this like apartment life thing um it's apparently something that you can do like if you want to move somewhere and get lower rent you just sign up for this program and all you have to do is make friends with everybody at your complex so i was like why did no one ever tell me about this that's interesting <laughs> pretty cool. yeah so i don't know how big it is here or not but it's definitely something that's like nationwide so it's pretty cool how, how does that work exactly so you get like you get rent breaks on like what what were you, what is that whole thing you were just saying? i've never heard of this before yeah i have how do either. i sign up i make right? friends real easy <laughs> exactly so basically uh i think the program is called apartment life i would have have to ask the couple but you sign up for it and then they place you in a specific apartment and you get money off your rent you get you get funded to put on two different events a month and then you just i guess they go around before covid each person that moves into the complex they go and introduce themselves um and they're kind of just like the face of the apartment complex wow, wow. yeah yeah they're like they were and so we were like do you like how'd that work they're like yeah it's a program we signed up for they placed us here and we get a portion off our rent like they're a couple and they have a two bedroom and they're like, we wouldn't have had a two bedroom if we didn't do this programming. And so it's wow. pretty cool. Is this like a, so you said it's nationwide. So like sometimes they'll send you to just a different place in the country. So that I don't know. It's, I think they signed up for it once they had already moved to Colorado. Hmm. Um, but I do think they said, they could have done it in like in Oklahoma where they came from or in some other places. I could get you that information. <laughs> I mean, it's just fascinating. You know, the things that, you know, just kind of along the lines of what we're talking about, like even in the line of work that we do, like the things that people figure out, you know, the things that people do to be creative, you know, especially like not just in the lines of work we do, but in living situations, just people fascinate me. Yeah, it really is. As, is it, we're really shafted as kids. Like to, there's so many types of jobs yeah. that you just have no idea about until you're an adult. <laughs> right, right. Well, I even was, even like learning how to stretch our like specialties. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many possibilities out there. Yeah, and COVID's like that's one of the things I'm thankful for. It's really made me have to like think about okay, where like what type of places right now could use our services at a discounted price because they are struggling that we wouldn't have thought of before, right? Before this, it was just a, like addiction, mental health, eating disorder treatment centers that we were targeting. 
Um, but like everyone, most of us, 99.9 .9 of us struggle with expressing ourselves. We either blow up or we keep it in, right? And so like, this is something that can be transferred to multiple different avenues. And so once I started thinking about that, uh, cause I actually had an intern from Cal State Fullerton that he was doing uh, an online internship with me and I was having him go through some of our sessions, but I was tailoring it to him and he doesn't have an addiction or, or any strong mental health diagnosis or anything. So I was like, okay, how can we use this for just like the everyday person that struggles with some anxiety or a little bit of depression or feels great all the time? I don't, I don't know enough about him, but yeah. you know, and, and realizing like this can really be for anyone. Um, yeah, so, for sure. which is, so we ended up making like an online program that people could buy that is just, it's 12 sessions that you can buy. And if you want to go more in depth, you can hire it with, along with a music therapist. If you just want to have like a self-study program that you can do for five minutes here, five minutes there, um, it, we have it for people and it's to the general population, but also if you've, been in treatment and want to do it you can so it's it's pretty cool it really opened my eyes to like this doesn't have to just be in that niche if i don't want it to be yeah well you know i think COVID kind of opened those eyes to like you know stuff you and i know just through al-anon right we don't have control of whatever is coming next and i think COVID kind of proved that to everyone of like i think we go through life and we feel like hey you know i've got a decent grasp on this and then and then there's a pandemic what do you do what do you do yeah there's a lot of grace around that because it's like, you know, nothing. You can't do anything. You know, right. Yeah. Just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. So with the with the certification programs that you are doing, did you have to like register that somewhere? Did you like just start offering it and then figure out the steps as you went? Was it kind of like that that bootstrap entrepreneurial stuff? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was a uh, um a more of what you just said of like i'm gonna just start offering it to music therapists see if they're interested and if they like it or think it's helpful and as we kind of build up on it um like having get we don't have yet but like getting it uh continuing ed uh, accredited for music therapist and then eventually for um, therapist would be the dream that like both could get continuing education credits for it and um, but I think like in my field to have a specialization training because it's a two-day training it's two eight-hour days um, we have to I think you have to be in the field for 10 years before they'll let you like say that this is my certification training right because um, we have it in, we have it like in neuro music neurological music therapy we have it for working in the NICU we have so we have different like extra trainings that you can get, but um, I have to wait two more years. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I love that you you just went for it, you know, because I, I think, you know, I know a lot of clinicians and I know myself, you know, we, we, can, we can get in our heads just like anyone else. And it's like, hey, I want to do this thing, but like, do I have the certifications? Do I have the right education? Do I have the hours, you know? And it's like, you know what? People need the service and, and we have the background. To provide it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing. Like when I watched you post these things or like doing these things, like I, I, it's just like, this is an inspiring human in my life and I want to talk to her. I want to, I want to pick her brain on what the <laughs> hell she's doing over there because I just, I see you going for it. And I think more people need to hear that. It's just like, Hey, I went for it and people, people needed it. You know, they responded. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't take all the credit. I will say just like we need to go to, I personally think most of us need to go to therapist or have a sponsor. Like I have a business coach that helps me work through this because, um, cause I'm like you were saying, you know, there's a part of me that would have been like, oh, I'm not, I have to wait till I'm 10 years in before I could actually start, you know, or, or I don't know if I'm the one that should be making it. Like I definitely have those thoughts and feelings and, and having someone that can actually work through it with you and be like, but is that true? And why do you feel that way? And um, help guide you has been irreplaceable for me. Um, and just someone to bounce ideas off of, it's been very helpful. Um, so I, anyone that's an entrepreneur, I would definitely say if you can get some type of consulting or coaching to help you take it to that next level, um, it's definitely a helpful helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I view it in the same veins as, uh, you know, if you're looking to explore and, and gain a grasp on like what your experience is emotionally, see a therapist. And if you're looking to build a business, see a, see a coach, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, seeing the professional for the tailored experience that you're trying to have, you know, because mm -hmm. it's possible. It's possible. As long as you, you know, chat with someone that can guide you as to, you know, what the routes are and what they look like. And then you figure out the new ones as they go. Yeah. Well, and it's in a lot of in the entrepreneurial world and a lot of those type of books, it's very much about like, you can't do everything, you can't know everything for you to move forward. Um, and so it's, you know, like if I took all of my time to try and know all about business and all about marketing and all about being a music therapist and an MFT and <laughs> creating right. things, I wouldn't get anything done. I need, you know, that's too, there's not enough time. Um, and so having someone that can help just guide you along, just like it's the same for our emotions, right? That's again, why we go to a therapist is like having someone to kind of just tie it together for you or help it like lock into place, um, is, is irreplaceable. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've been working with your business coach for, for a little bit of time now or. Yeah, let's see. Um, maybe three or four years funny enough wow. i've actually known her for 12 years she was my original voice coach in college okay all right and um she was one of my favorite people and i want to say in 2017 she like sent out an email to all her past students like i'm not voice coaching anymore i'm moving into uh she would call it like creative entrepreneurs is who I want to work with and so at first it was like very like bare bones like ask a question she'll give you an answer and now it's like we have two hour long meetings a month and we have to send a million emails back and forth it's I've grown with her as she's grown um, and it's really cool it's a really cool just having some like it's for me because I I probably wouldn't have gotten a business coach for a long time if it hadn't been for her because I trusted her I knew her yeah. um, my original self would, or side of me was like, no, like, no, I don't need to do that. Like, <laughs> I'm fine as I am. Right. Uh, you know, the normal resistance to getting someone to help you. Uh, and she reached out and it, again, it was another godsend for me. I was like, I trust her. I know she's good at what she does. Even if she switched to something new, she was like that type of, of woman that just like knows everything. Um, and so it's cool because she's known me for so long. So she's able to say like, Marla, you can see where you've come from 
and um, and knows my personality enough. So it's it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, you know, and and even that last that last concept that you you pointed out is like we learned that in recovery, right? It's not where you're trying to go. Look at how far you've come, right? Mm -hmm. Look where you're at today and where you started. You know, yeah. look at look at this amazing process that you've undertaken. Yeah. And when we sit and think of it that way, it's so much harder to be discouraged or shame yourself or be down on yourself because you can actually see what has changed or what hasn't changed and what I need to shift to work on. Um, that's, that's something that I think a lot of us before we get into some type of recovery are too afraid to look at um, because it's like, you know, just where we're, most of us are pretty trained to be like, to kind of our, I should be here. I should be here. I should be here. Um, where I think recovery helps you take a step back and be like, wow, that's where I was. Look at how far I've come today. And oh, I want to tweak a few things so that I can keep moving forward. Um, but it really helps you to know you can just keep going. Yeah. You know, I, I think so, you know, cause these were things I struggled with for a long, you know, the death of the ego, you know, and, and I mean, you knew me when, when I was much younger, you know, like, <laughs> I was a good dude, but goddamn, if I didn't have an ego. And <laughs> what I found is like in this, it was really the fourth step of like, what is my part? Of like getting to the place of like, yeah, I have these resentments and they're rooted in things that are unfortunate and should have never happened. I can't control that. But what I do have control over is how that resentment turned into my response for me to say, fuck the world, right? And can I look at my part in that, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, I just, like, as you were explaining that, like, I just heard so much of that, of like, hey, you know, some of these things can get in the way, they're barriers, but like, what, what can I do about it? Right? What can, yeah. How can I see myself in that? Exactly. Woo, the fourth step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bless our hearts. <laughs> Looking at what your part is in something, man, that it, that is such a concept that, like I was listening to uh, Brene Brown's podcast today and she was talking, it might've been this week or last week, but I was listening to it today on shame and resilience and just that difference between like, I am bad and I did something bad. Yeah. And, you know, most of us were so entrenched in shame that we can't even look at what we've done and be like, we had any part in it. No, no, they did that. It's all them. But when you go through the fourth step, you're like, and that's how I responded and kept that cycle going, or that's how I pushed that or pushed that person over the edge or whatever it is. Um, and, oh, wow, that's something I can do different. Yeah. And now people are reacting different to me. Oh, that was that was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's scary at first. And then it's, it's why I love the verbiage of the four step. You know, you made a searching and fearless moral inventory. When you started, you weren't fearless, right? There's no, you know, there's all that fear around it. But then when you actually do it, you realize that that word fearless starts to make a lot more sense because you've untangled and you realize like, wow, this, this stuff is actually pretty simple and I can be fearless because I'm making a choice, right? So you, mm -hmm. It like brings back like the, the conversation around step one, like admitting that we were powerless, you know, over alcohol. And, and then we get to have the subsequent, subsequent conversations about what we're powerless over. But then in fourth step, we, we also gain a little bit of that back of like, I have power over the decisions that I'm making. And mm -hmm. if that isn't an empowering conversation in a healthy way, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, 
so in the fourth step session that we do, uh, we look at a song called uh, Flaws by Bastille. Okay. And there's a line in that song that says, um, oh, on the spot, I am forgetting it. Um, what is the word? Basically, like, uh, we will, like, uncover what it is that we've done or without knowing that we'd be doomed. And the way that it's phrased, most clients, their responses back will be like, kind of like use it as an excuse like yeah see the flaws are who I am it makes me this way I have to stay this way um but I had this 14 year old client I can remember it oh like it was yesterday and she's like no what that means to me is that like I'm 14 and I'm in treatment like if I don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing there's no great trajectory for me I have to be able to know why I do it so that I can figure out who I am and who I want to be. And she's like, it gives me that choice where before it was just this habit, this cycle that I did without even thinking about it. And I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point of the fourth step. And it's not to make you feel crappy about all you've done or to point out all these horrible things that it, it does that, but it helps you to have that choice um, where before we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I like how, like, leave it to a 14 year old, you know, who, who just, cause kids are so genuine, right. Mm -hmm. and, and sincere. And I, I was just, I, I was having a conversation with my therapist today, <clears throat> which, you know, it, it's also a perk to, to have a therapy session and then come in and talk to another therapist. It's always nice. <laughs> um, like the actual meaning of sincerity, you know, and it's like, I had no idea, you know, I'm like given, I'm trying to give my best, you know, answer as to what I think the definition is. And my therapist shared with me, you know, that, that the word originated from art back in the day, like, you know, you know, years and years and years and years ago. I don't know that mm. I don't know why I'm blanking on archaic times. Um, <laughs> and they would take the molds out like for a statue. And when they take it out, there's like the cracks and the holes and all the different defects that, that are going on with the statue. And they would feel, fill it with wax, right? So it could be pristine. And the word uh, that they associated with taking the mold out and just leaving it as is was sincere. And the, the definition behind it was without wax. Wow. And, and just letting it be. And so it's like that 14-year-old girl with, with no shame just saying like, hey, look, I've got to look at myself in its totality, who I am, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool to know about sincere. Yeah, I told my therapist, I said, I'll be stealing that when I work with my clients. I'll <laughs> right. be using that one. <laughs> uh, I love that when I was seeing my therapist of being like, yep, going to use that. And then like two days later, just an opportunity comes up and just being like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now it's my turn to look like the expert. <laughs> Exactly. I loved it. Uh, I miss therapy. That was a good time. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a powerful process. You know, yeah. I, I, I never would have, you know, when I was younger, you know, when you had a guitar in your hand, I had a baseball bat in mine and I, I would have never saw myself going down these paths, but I'm very, very glad that this is uh, the path we've all found ourselves on. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. No. Uh, so I was a, a I was a singer, but I also played basketball. And as much as I would say that sports gave me a lot that helped me to get through, 
I also feel like there is a part of it that very much is, is, you know, just the suck it up, walk it off. You don't talk about your feelings or what's going on and, uh, and helping kids to find that balance when I was doing my internships that, and I would have kids that were athletes of like, yes, there are moments where you do have to do that, but it's, it's not just this, um, this given, uh, what's the word, this all or nothing. It's right. there is that room for like, I do need a break. I do need a moment for whatever emotion is happening and, um, and working through that. But I remember I had one kid that I worked with and I was just like, no, I know that mentality so well. You don't have to hold on to that. <laughs> you can let it go. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I remember Jeannie said in one of our first classes, at Vanguard saying something of like, um, when we were learning about uh, avoidant attachment, um, I would say that was me back in the day. And <laughs> she said something about how she had a client she was working with who was avoidantly attached. And as he became more secure in his attachment, he was able to create music as opposed to just mimicking it and just, uh, and that was totally my experience. Like as I got into therapy and learned how to use my music as a tool to, to not just emote in with other people's words, but to express myself with my own words. Like I was able to write lyrics and come up with ideas for things that was like my experience. Um, and that was just something that like before, like all that I grew up with was very much like, nope, you stay in this box and you stay right here and you don't let any feelings out. Um, and so that, you know, and that's really where the basis of our music therapy sessions come from is teaching people that it's not just music isn't just, or there's more to music than just sitting there saying like, wow, that song, it just says it's exactly what I'm feeling and just staying stuck there. We listen to it over and over and over again, but we don't move forward with it. Um, unless you, eventually if you're healthy you will but for a lot of our teenagers they just start to embody that artist and um being able to say like okay this this these lyrics really relate to you now let's write your personal story of these lyrics wow. uh, and how just that little change it's that expression is so much more than just being able to belt my heart out to it it's just this other form that now makes it my story and now, like I said before, I can go to my therapist and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. You know, I've sat in here quiet for the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is it. And I figured out how to put words to it. Um, this, so you, you, you never know what you're going to get out of a conversation, you know. And as I, as I was listening to you explain that, like, you know, they're not to like go into confidential stuff, but like I'm working with a client right now where it's like that experience of, um, kind of like mimicking the artist and utilizing that like expression through that form of art that uh, she really, really likes. And, and when you were saying like utilizing your own expression off, like using that foundation of this artist that you enjoy to, to create for yourself. Like mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like I, I needed to hear that for the framework of, cause there, there's a lot of like those components of, some of those attachment things going on and, and some of these things that, that I, I could see like that might be a worthwhile conversation and, and some resources to direct her to as well. To, yeah. to know that there are professionals out here who deeply understand 
that connection to help kind of mix up and, and create a conversation around some of the attachment stuff using music like that. That's some powerful stuff. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, glad it giving you that bit could give you some ideas for her. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, uh, you picked up music pretty early on. Was this like a, a life's first passion kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I can remember. Oh, man, this tells you how avoidant I was. I can remember being like four or five or maybe six. I don't know. Sitting in the car. My dad was playing um, Unbreak My Heart by uh, Tony Braxton and just belting out that song um and saying i wish to feel this way one day <laughs> <laughs> yes but like not knowing like how to get there and um just i want to just sing to people this pain that you know and just like so for a very long time they you know my in high in college my friend would always joke like music therapy is perfect for you you have a song for everyone <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um because it was my only way of like expressing and um and so yeah it had always been but what i i learned after going through grad school and therapy was that like i had always thought it was i wanted to be famous but then once i actually gotten that opportunity to like sing in grad school all the time i didn't have any passion for it if it wasn't singing those songs that expressed my feelings so when i was just like whatever song i had to learn for whatever reason in school like i didn't care about it i didn't want to do it and that was like I didn't get it then, but looking back now, it's because music wasn't my actual passion. It was my only way of expression. Um, so then when I went through music therapy and then to grad school, I learned, oh no, this, that was just my tool. That was why I couldn't really get into that other stuff. And I tried singing like in bands and doing all that. And while I really liked it, I only liked it when I was singing songs that meant something to me about whatever I was going through. But to like learn all the like pop songs that were popular at that time, like I didn't care. I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Britney so. can Britney can go away. <laughs> Britney Spears. Yeah. So yeah, it's always been a passion, uh, in that sense. Uh, but and still is today, it's um I was grateful that like my I got to choose a, a degree that like I had to learn guitar through um for my degree as a music therapist and I had to learn piano and um, I got to dabble in other instruments learning them. We just had to know the basics of lots of other things. And so I got to become an actual musician that I wasn't before, uh, before college. So it was pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah. Cause I was just the, the basketball kid that like choir was that thing I did on the side and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> multiple pursuits now that was like the high school years you were doing basketball and choir yeah yeah i think i was in yeah i played basketball probably since fourth grade and or third grade or something and same for and i think i played soccer before that so i was always like an athlete first and then um i think there was even one year where i couldn't do both choir and basketball and i chose basketball so <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah nice yeah so before, before you came on, I noticed kind of like right before you had posted an interesting question on your, yeah, yeah on your Facebook. you care to share that with, uh, with the people who might be listening along? Yeah. So we were, um, I say we, cause I, I, my intern still works with me with the, um, the social media, but the question was, 
what music album has changed your life? Yeah, it's a good question. Did, did when you read that, so your intern posted that, did you have an answer to that one? Um, well, we, we worked on it together, but oh. um, the, uh, he like finds things and then I give him what to say basically. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I don't know if I have an album, but I definitely have songs. Okay. Um, so I would say Prelude to a Kiss by Alicia Keys, um, which is basically a song about being super guarded, not feeling like you fit in and just wishing someone would be out there to help me was like my like identity through high school. Um, and it's so funny because I was like the happy go lucky girl, like no one ever knew anything was wrong. So I think that song just changed my life and like finding something for me to just emote and express and like belt out that feeling. Um, so I would say that, um, a couple of the Kelly Clarkson songs and her like angsty first couple of CDs, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I would say like one, uh, uh, why am I blanking on songs right now? Um, is it, oh, because of you, that was a big one. Uh, I use because of you actually in our sessions uh, that we do. Um, so I would say like them. And then there's an artist named Jessie J who I heard in college and she was very much like, uh, she had a, a song called um, Big White Room and uh, kind of same, they're all similar themes of just like, I am locked in this room. So those are like in those different points in my life were just very much like, <laughs> um, but now I would say there's a band called Johnny Swim that I'm just like obsessed with. Um, I'm trying to get them to like do a benefit concert with us uh, in the future. And uh, I don't know if you saw, but a year ago at this time, I was going to like a bunch of their concerts yeah. um, to get their attention, which I did. It was pretty cool. But um, they have a couple of songs on their albums now that are about um, choosing to feel and choosing to open up and choosing to let let the pain in and talk and share it they have a song called let it mat let it matter um so they started uh they came about in the time where i was in grad school and started to open up and share and so a lot of their songs have um like encouraging in that way and um so those i would say them as well are pretty pretty life-changing for me so you you went out there to their concerts and they they were like eventually they responded to your uh your reaching out to them yeah so i went to four concerts in 11 days uh, wow. one was here in denver one was in oregon and then two in la uh well la and san diego two in california and um like the week or two before i started just like blasting them on social media and like tagging anyone and everyone that like goes to like works with them hmm. uh, i learned this idea actually from a girl who got to meet paul mccartney doing it this way Really? Cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the first concert, which was here in Denver, they um, finally responded and I got to meet them that night and they were like, yeah, we're interested in partnering with you for a, for a benefit concert. Um, and then they like saw me at the different ones, but I didn't get to talk to them. Uh, and then the last one I got, a, I got a signature. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. So that, <laughs> That is in the works still, I hope, but uh, 
they went on tour uh, again after we had had some emails back and forth, and then I haven't heard from him. So I'm like, please don't be the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of things will probably shake out after COVID stuff kind of settles yeah. down, you know, whatever that right. looks like on the back end. Yeah. What about you? Let's ask the question back. Do you have any oh, other um, songs? You know, I, I was growing up, I was really into a band called Falling Up. It's a Christian rock band. It was kind of like, you know, I didn't really get into music until I was like 13 years old, believe it or not. Like I, we would listen to music on car rides, but not all the time, which was interesting. So there's a lot of silent car rides if that you know, gives any indication as to the, <laughs> the family I grew up in. And then uh, in high school, I got introduced to Christian rock and got really into that band and, and to this day they're still the only band i've seen in concert which is probably a shame and i need to change that, that was <laughs> a long time ago <clears throat> um and then i would say probably the most like life-changing album would be journey's greatest hits you know it's it's timeless i can i know all the words uh and that's a big thing for me because i'm, I'm not the kind of like music connoisseur that's going to remember all the words of a song unless it's like Linkin Park and who forgets their their words or Journey, right? and uh, oh. greatest hits was the first uh, CD that I ever like owned of my own yeah. journeys and so they're my favorite band that's the most impactful album I've ever had in my life cool so I have a similar question that I ask on the podcast not along the lines of music but if there was one book in the field of mental health, Marlis, that you feel has been like the most inspiring to you, what book would that be? At the moment, I would say uh, all the Brene Brown books, Daring Greatly, starting with Daring Greatly and uh, <clears throat> Rising Strong, Braving the Wilderness. Uh, I would say those would be the, the, the books I would choose for about mental health or shame and resilience. Nice. I keep uh, copies of um, The Gifts of Imperfection by, mm -hmm. by Bernie. I keep those in, yeah. my, in my office. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in, it was grad school where I first got introduced to her. We had to read Daring Greatly in yeah. somebody's class. And, Mullis. Uh, Remember he, yeah. had a, he had a huge, huge uh, crush on her. He said it was a professional crush. That guy had a crush on Bernie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, Mr. Mullis. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say after that, I started reading her other books, and and at one of um the facilities I used to work at <clears throat> as an intern, we did uh, the gifts. I think it was the gifts of imperfection. Is that the one she has that has all the? Um, it was a shame and resilience course, basically. So you read the book and um, share it with her. Oh, I have another book. I just remembered. Um, it is called um, Nonviolent Communication by, oh, I always want to say Michael, but I think it's like Matthew and something with a B. I can't remember, but Nonviolent Communication, it is a beautiful book about communication and it really breaks down for a whole book, four different concepts. One is to um, observe without judgment, to identify emotion identify um your needs and then to ask for them and it just spends an entire book showing you how to do that in all situations um and i had to teach that at one of my internships and i like made all these copies of it i've sent it to friends <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for birthdays and of course none of them have read it but hey, i tried <laughs> that's awesome that's, that's a, 
especially in the recovery realms, those last two, especially identifying your needs and then asking for them to be met. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So they say, if you put those four things into your sentence to someone in that order, for the most part, uh, it will build connection instead of disconnect. Um, and the disconnect leads to violence, which is where, why, where, why it's that title. Yeah. What a, what a good, uh, just reminder, you know, I think as we round out this conversation today, like a good reminder for the world these days, <laughs> of, you know, not disconnecting, you know, staying yeah. connected during these times is so, so crucial. And finding ways to connect to people that are different from you. Yeah. Or different beliefs, different thoughts, look different, all that that's going on right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that, and th- those are some of the most like, you know, profound connections, you know, that I've had in my life is people who believe something different than me, because then I can ask questions, I can be curious, I can learn things, you know, and and it's just, you know, especially in the light of things, right, that are going on in the world right now, just getting outside of your comfort zone, being kind, just be kind to people, don't be a fucking racist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's cool, I think, like, being a therapist and getting to hear the just inner workings of people's minds versus the actual action that they do. And you just find there's so much more to it than what you're seeing on the surface. And, um, and like, if we can come at it from that empathetic viewpoint of like, maybe not just kind of the opposite of what you said, not, not jumping to the fact that they're racist, like maybe they just are ignorant or don't know how to respond that or like, are two are coming up from a place of fear, right? Whatever it is, um, like there's just so much more behind like just one step that person people make yeah. that you when you're a therapist that it, you know if you if we could come up that way with compassion to everybody, it would be more connection, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and how all these things intersect would be conversations that would probably take us, you know, five, ten days probably <laughs> but you're yeah. you're currently offering your services virtually yes now is there um a website people can find you at i know the social mm-hmm. media stuff are you are you okay with me kind of linking some of that in the yeah description? please Sorry. Cool. yeah so we have a, a website called get in tune music therapy and under services you will find you know our uh our actual facilities uh, if you're interested for facilities, if you're interested for um, uh, employee wellness, apartment life, if you're interested in our online self-study program that I talked about earlier. And then we also have just drop-in sessions. It's 15 bucks every Wednesday at five. So all of that you find on the website. Um, uh, the training is also on the website under, I think like about us or our approach or something like that. Um, so it's all on the website. Everything that you need is on the website. And getintunemusictherapy.com. That's the same for our Facebook and our social media, LinkedIn. All have the same name. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, if you're listening this far into the podcast and you've been interested as to how the world of therapy can intersect with music, I don't imagine there's anyone better than Marlis Woods to teach you exactly how that looks, feels, and sounds like. So go check her out. Check out the website. It'll be in the description. And Marlis, thank you so very much for taking time out of your evening to, to do this. Yeah, thank you for calling me, Alan, and reaching out. It's fun to just catch up with you and talk therapist chop with someone. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Cool. Yeah. Have a great night. You too. Bye.